Welcome back to the Global Tech Leaders Podcast with our specific focus right now on women in tech. We have the great pleasure in welcoming Sarah Klegman to the show today. She is Chief Happiness Officer and Head of Brand Proper, who are very much shaking up the property space, going through some exciting investment rounds with lots happening. Um, she comes from a stand-up comedy and creative background, so very keen to get into that. A very unique on the show. More importantly, welcome today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Well, tell Great. us about your journey. No doubt it's been nuanced and interesting and non-direct, which is very much the story that we like to get underneath on the show here. What was your route to get to to where you are today as chief happiness officer and head officer, should I say, and head of brand of proper. What does that look like? And take us through your day today, if you would. Sure. So my first career started right after college, very young. I became a talent manager and producer in the stand-up comedy space. So I represented stand-up comedians internationally and in the US. I helped produce comedy specials that you would see on Showtime and Comedy Central, books, TV shows, anything with a comedic slant, uh, which was an absolute blast. Very proud of everything that I did. Learned a lot about storytelling, about building a voice, um, about marketing and content strategy. Uh, but I also burnt out pretty early uh, about when I was probably 25, 26, probably about 26. Um, the comedy world is amazing uh, and a blast, but I ma mostly male dominated and I was very, very young. I became a talent manager before I could legally drink and my office hours were from, you know, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. But my clients are comedians and so their work begins at night and on the weekends. So I found myself working just about 24 seven. And on top of that, I uh, I had a moment where I realized I, I wasn't really being myself. I was fulfilling a role that I felt I needed to fulfill for my career, for my clients. Uh, and so after I left talent management on the comedy side, uh, I decided to put a lot more focus on that, on what does authentic uh, what does an authentic career path look like for me? What does authentic leadership look like for me? Uh, and how can I have a life that is not 24-7 work? Or if it is, uh, it doesn't feel like it. So when I left management, uh, I took what I thought was going to be a basic office manager job at a startup which I was vastly overqualified for and they were all very confused as to why I wanted that job. Uh, but as anyone who has been in the startup space knows, if you join a company with skills beyond the role you were hired for, most likely you will be tapped to utilize those skills. So the startup that I started working for was called Feed, P-H-E-E-D. We were a social media app, um, really similar to Instagram. We had live broadcasting before anyone else. We had filters and, you know, fun things like that before anyone else. Um, and what ended up happening was as we were building feed, a lot of building that identity for that brand and that app was around the types of influencers and voices that you get on the platform. And because of my comedy connections and background, I started bringing comedy talent onto the platform and actually produced the first mobile to mobile live uh, video broadcast pay-per-view, uh, which was a, a stand-up comedy show. Uh, and that was an absolute blast. But I started 
really understanding the connection between a brand identity and comedy and voice and creative marketing, how all of that really works together. Um, not long after I joined, we were acquired by Mobley, which is uh, an Israeli startup company, and they had a social media app that was very similar to Feed, like Instagram, but with you know live broadcasting and filters and all of that. They acquired Feed not just because of our tech, um, but mostly because of our skills around building a brand identity. Um, Mobily at the time was mostly um, stock images, really boring, didn't really have an identity. And so when they acquired Feed, they really acquired our team's ability to build a brand identity and get interesting people on the platform. Uh, so once Mobily acquired us, we started working on their platform and we started working on other uh, uh, companies of theirs, whether that was some someone that they just acquired or a new app they were launching. And so I became a creative marketing executive working on campaigns uh, and sort of brand identity type projects for all their various different initiatives and companies. Uh, and I loved it. Uh, eventually, Mobley shut down US operations. We were primarily the marketing arm and we were doing fantastically, so at no fault of our own. Um, but after that, I found myself really inspired um, from being in a space surrounded by entrepreneur types who really kind of did what they wanted. And if there wasn't a path for it, they created it and they did it pretty authentically. And I, I was really inspired by that. So what uh, I had a baking blog with a friend uh, where we would bake challah bread and we started posting more and more. Eventually it snowballed into whoopsie daisy, now I have a challah bread company, uh, which was a blast. And the fun thing about that was it was just me and my business partner and we had full control of the brand voice and brand identity and we did a lot of weird stuff and our bread was delicious, but our brand identity was really unique and really playful and really fun. And that's where I got to do a lot of um, experimenting and playing uh, and all of it very much so as myself. Um, I also took that time to start a podcast where I would interview successful people about their biggest flaws and failures called What's Wrong With You. Uh, I did a lot of public speaking and touring. Uh, I got hearing aids when I was 27. And so I talk a lot about that and accessibility. I talk a lot about women's health um, and other just sort of fun storytelling. Uh, and then I started consulting for various companies. They would hire me to build their brand voice, much like I had been doing for, for other companies before then, uh, which was also a blast. So I would go into conference rooms with, you know, stern-faced executives and I would put giant post-its on the wall and I would do workshops with them to help build their brand identity. Uh, and that was what Mark, the CEO of Proper, originally hired me to do uh, almost four years ago now when Proper was first starting. So when I joined, there were about six of us. Now there's over 250 in about six different countries. But when I first started, I was a consultant and I was very happy being a consultant. I did not believe that there was one company where I could be myself, where I could scratch all these various itches. I really liked the idea of just being able to come in for a project and then leave. Uh, Mark had different ideas and he was continuously uh, trying to get me to come on full time. And finally, I had a conversation with him where I said pretty much what I what I just told you, which is, you know, I don't believe there's one company where, you know, I can be myself, where I can be happy, where I can, you know, be challenged and, and feel authentic and, and all of these things. And he, I'll never forget, he sort of looked at me and he's like, okay, well, why don't we build that? 
and my brain melted. Uh, and then that's <laughs> what we've been doing for the last four years is, is building the company um, that we've always hoped existed uh, with a, a culture and an environment for our people that's focused on um, you know, being challenged and growing, uh, but being able to show up authentically, being able to have fun while working. Um, and it's been a blast and there's been a lot of learning, but that's the hopefully short version. <laughs> wow. That's hugely genuine. Um, so what I took away there was burnout to bread, right? You know, that was the transition was burnout to bread. And, you know, for me, I, I'm very curious to understand for you now as chief happiness officer, um, how do you have a chat with folks who are yourself at 26 coming in the door and saying, hey, I get your ambition. That's fantastic. It's to be, you know, celebrated. But at the same time, here's my experience. Let's avoid, avoid some of those pitfalls. Like, how do you sort of delineate between ambition and going down a dark a path that could end in a dark way? And, you know, how can other folks learn from that? And how have you managed to help folks around that, that kind of uh, chasm, as it were? Mm. That is a big question. Um, this makes me think of a young woman that I worked with um, at Proper who uh, really helped stand up our um, people operations initially. And now she, she found a passion for that. She loves coming into early stage companies, helping them build up their, their people ops. Um, but with her, yeah, I mean, she's incredibly ambitious. Um, and one of the, or I think many conversations that I found myself having with her was, you know, it's great to be really um, thoughtful about the work you're doing and wanting to deliver at a, at a very high level. Um, but at the same time, you have to protect yourself and you have to continuously check in. Um, there was a couple weeks where she was working really late uh, and really early, and I could tell it was really wearing on her. And the direct conversation I had with her was like, look, you know, you're doing a great job, but you know, one of our values at Proper is outcomes over appearances. And so what does that mean? So that means we don't care when you work or what you're wearing when you work or how it seems, you know, like if you're, you know, logging into Slack at 6 a.m. and you're not off until 9 p.m. and you, you know, look exhausted and you're talking about how much coffee you're drinking. Like we don't, you know, I no. What we care about is outcomes. Um, what is the outcome of the work? What is the result of your work? And so I kept bringing her back to that um, and also bringing her back to uh, a place of, you know, understanding your own value. Um, it is not your job to sacrifice yourself and your personal well-being for a company. Don't get me wrong. I am incredibly proud and I love everything we do at Proper and I love the hard work that everyone puts in. Uh, but I am not in the business of building a company that is going to continuously burn people out, uh, make them feel like they have to give more than they are able to give because ultimately you're not going to do your best work. Um, so a lot of the conversations I had with her was around, um, you know, being a advocate for yourself um saying no if someone asks you to you know meet very very early or very very late um and check in with yourself uh you know are the things you're doing do they feel authentic to you do you feel proud of of what what you're doing which i think again is another big part of leadership for me which is instead of you know it's really about making sure that your people have all the tools they need in order to be able to do work that they feel proud of and i think the same thing goes for leadership so my questions to her was, you know, are you proud of this work? 
Are you doing this in a way that feels authentic to you? Are you being a little bit too generous with, with how much you're giving? Um, and if you're finding yourself working, you know, really, really late, let's talk about that. What, what are smarter, better, different ways of working? Um, and, and also part of those conversations with, with, you know, younger people first getting into that part of their career um, is helping empower them to speak up. Um, at Proper, we really want to hear it if you disagree or if you have uh, an idea for something that we can improve. So a lot of the stuff, um, a lot of the conversations with her was around you being an advocate for yourself, making sure you, you prioritize your own health, uh, making sure that you feel like you are able to show up authentically, speak your voice and learn. Um, and then also really the understanding that you do not have to be perfect. Uh, and that you are going to fail and that is great. You need to fail. Hopefully you don't fail in a way that costs the company or, or other folks a, a, a lot of money or, or, or pain. But usually those failures um, yeah. are smaller, but they feel big. So it's about and if you, and if you do that, make sure you don't fail alone. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fail with others. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's very interesting because it's, it's kind of answered. I, I, my question is. And there's always varying degrees of answers on this. Um, should you be the same person in work as you are at home mm. or not? Like what's your, it sounds to me you're giving scope to people there, right? To, you know, be authentic and be themselves, so to speak. But sometimes I know when I have important things to do or, or you know, I have important presentation to do or, or, or whatever, you know, I say to my wife, you know, I'm just going to go in there and be myself. And she's like, oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, so that what's is, your view? What's your view? Should should you be the same at, at home as you're in work or pretty much or or no? As, as much as possible, but I think okay. that's something that I, that I wrestle with too. Yeah. Um so especially in a leadership position, it's like how do you balance, you know, authenticity and vulnerability with going a little bit too far and you know, you don't want it to impact people's um confidence in, in your abilities. Um, and you also don't want to make folks uncomfortable. So when we're talking about, you know, are you the same person that you are at home? I think at your core, yes. I think you should feel like you can show up to your place of work as yourself. You don't have to put on a completely different personality. That said, uh, you know, if you're the type that's going to be making, you know, silly, you know, arguably appropriate jokes with your friends or family, there's a time and place, right? Um, but, but for, for me, that is one of the biggest ways uh, to prevent burnout um, yeah. and to make sure that people feel um, like they're able to grow. Um, you know, we make a lot of space for people to be themselves at Proper. Um, we have really like operationalized mechanisms for that, uh, but it's also a big part of our hiring. So like when you first look at our job descriptions, when you're going online uh, and trying to apply, you'll see, you know, the first thing isn't like, you know, amazing, you know, property, you know, company with technology who's looking for, you know, all that stuff is there, but it starts with, you know, we're a team of uh, engineers and accountants and creatives who are also, uh, you know, yogis and Szechuan eaters and world travelers and dog lovers. Uh, and, and we were coming together to build like the most incredible uh, accounting super tool for the, you know, the real estate world that's ever been done before. And we just think that's so cool. And we're so excited by that. But we use really accessible language, really natural language. And that shows up um, in all of our internal content and uh, sort of employee 
or proper people, as we call them, uh, facing content. So another thing when it comes to being yourself and kind of what you were mentioning, Ross, at the beginning about how when people come in, they have really diverse backgrounds and that's sort of a point of fascination and value. At Proper, we, we see things the same way. Um, Mark, our CEO, you know, him and our CFO started a surfboard company in college. You know, he used to uh, rent, <clears throat> excuse me, he used to work uh, work with property managers and, and uh, create sort of art galleries or art show events in uh, empty uh, uh, properties that would serve sort of as an open house. But my, my point with that is really diverse background, right? Like surfer, really into the art scene. Uh, also, you know, just like many many uh, founders, Mark loves, you know, brightly colorful sneakers uh, and really interesting art. And all of our sort of personalities and identities uh, really do feed into the work that we do. And so, you know, our, you know one of our, uh, uh, you know, uh, sales uh, operations women, uh, she's also a pop music singer in Mexico. Uh, we have uh, a lot of really diverse people and with a lot of different interests. And that is part of, um, who we are. So, so yeah, I think showing up authentically is, is very important and showing up as, as who you are is important because if you can't do that, uh, it will, at least in my experience, slowly eat away at your soul, which is, uh, again, in my opinion, not really necessary for a great career. No. And, and to be fair, you're, you're the living embodiment of that from our experiences. We've, we've spoke a few times now and I, I always enjoy our conversations, you know, and the, I mean, you're, you're, if I, from, if I was to describe, you know, you're hearing impaired, a queer, neurodiverse Jewish and a woman. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't get more diverse, I don't think, <laughs> than that. And that lends itself, I think, to, um, you know, attracting the kind of people who feel, I would imagine, very psychologically safe in your organization. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think I think in many ways, yes, I will also say, too, that, you know, uh, I, I very much so present like a nice white lady. So I haven't experienced uh, <laughs> as, you know, as, as many, uh, you know, struggles as, you know, sort of most uh, folks that are more on that sort of extreme end of, you know, what we consider, you know, diversity. Yeah. Um, that said, yeah, I think that um, me showing up as my full self um be that with, you know, the things about me that make me diverse uh, and just, you know, my various quirks as a, as a human and my personality. Uh, I think when you show up fully, uh, it inspires other people to do the same. Um, and it shows them that it is safe to do so. Um, <clears throat> in in but, an authentic way, you're, you're, you're not leaning towards kind of any one of those as labels or anything like that. It's just like, this is it, you know, and um, the but. I would imagine, you know, being being mindful around um, what your role is in the company, right? You know, and 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 the which is one that influences culture. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's 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 armed me with, um, <clears throat> you know, a, a certain level of I think perspective um, and sensitivity, um, thoughtfulness. I would even say, you know, sometimes. Uh, I err on the side of a being a little bit too protective uh, of our people. Um, but I think that that's, you know, I'd, I'd rather have that strong voice in a company than a lack of that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and I and I think, you know, the more that people, um, 
get to know me or hear me speak, you know, all these different things are going to come up. You know, when I talk about, uh, you know, the person I married, they're my spouse, they're my partner because they're trans, non-binary. And so people hearing me use, you know, words like they and spouse or, you know, when I mentioned that like, oh, thank God we got the captions working on Zoom because these ears are pretty wonky <laughs> or, you know, uh, yeah, I need to, you know, take uh, take a little bit of a brain break uh, because, you know, my ADHD uh, is acting up right now or I need to, um, you know, really be a guardian of my own time uh, so that I don't get burnt out. Or, for example, we just launched um, the Calm app, uh, which is like a fantastic <clears throat> sort of like mental wellness and health um, application. And um, a lot we did that on World Mental Health Day. Okay. And we, we also created a uh, mental health guide that was created by uh, a bunch of volunteers internally. And so having tough conversations, not necessarily in full in front of everyone, but when you're speaking to the company, you know, we call it, um, uh, you know, all of our internal communications, sort of jokingly like propaganda, um, where we'll post, uh, you know, it, a theme uh, for the month or, you know, a special day, but, but in uh, emphasizing uh, offerings like Calm and in acknowledging, you know, Mental Health Day and acknowledging, you know, uh, uh, International, you know, Coming Out Day and things like that, we're not necessarily saying, hey, everyone, you have to have these conversations publicly. What we're saying is these are things we understand or that we think about. This is parts of, of who we are. Uh, some of us deal uh, with some of these struggles. Some of us don't. Um, but learning about those and, and, and uh, speaking to them in a way that doesn't feel scandalous or shameful uh, is definitely a really big part of creating that psychological safety uh, in the workplace. Yeah, I, li I like the way you develop that internally through conversation and through you know the, the people that are that are there because then that makes it real it's like i don't know how many companies and organizations we speak to where you know they they develop these values and 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 they're really only developed by a small bunch of people <laughs> and they're going these are our values you know go live them <laughs> and um it doesn't seem that you know they are the values, you know, um, and, and I guess, you know, from a cultural perspective, it's really about what, you know, your culture is what people habitually do on a daily basis and how they treat each other and how they speak to each other. And, you know, that that develops um, over time and that can be really horrible and very hard to undo or it can be very deliberate and intentional, you know, at the start. And it sounds like it's very deliberate and intentional um, with you guys. And, you know, what 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 a wonderful concept or yeah well it's your reality uh, over there proper but i'm saying what a wonderful concept for a lot of other companies where you're saying hey it's 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 fine to celebrate your uniqueness and your differences right that is what makes you unique the fact that you're different um you know and the that you're not afraid to or that you're not going around constantly you know paranoid about oh you know i i'm not very i don't want anyone to know about this i'm not very uh, you know uh, here where, where people go hey uh, there, there's John again with his, you know, or there's Sarah again with this, and and they they celebrate that fact that, you know, that's you, and and it's perfectly fine to be like that. Um, how do you find people who fit um, into into your um, into your culture and into the company? Ooh, I love this question. Um, okay. So, how do we find proper people? And we talk about the company. I really want to get into what proper actually do, 
uh, what's oh, the value sure. proposition for the market and kind of, you know, where, where are you located and where are most of your staff and, you know, is it, are you intentional about, you know, how many um, um, women versus men versus, you know, what, what, what's, what, what does that look like? But um, yeah, how do you find people who fit? How do we find proper people, people who fit? Proper um, people, yes. Proper, proper people. people, yeah. We did um, a lot of work, um, and that is also sort of still ongoing, uh, about <clears throat> identifying um, and designing our, our values and our working principles. But we also did a lot of work um, documenting and sort of brainstorming and, and looking at, you know, what are the qualities in people that make them uh, successful here. And, and when we say successful, we mean, you know, they feel fulfilled. Um, they, they enjoy, appreciate, thrive in our way of working. Uh, they have sort of an outlook or perspective uh, that will help them here. So during our interview process, really finding our proper people starts from the second that you look at our job posting. I mentioned earlier, you know, we describe, you know, yes, this is what we do, but this is who we are. Um, and you know you will have a uh, initial screening call with one of our uh, uh, our talent sourcers, and they will tell you about the company, and they'll get a little bit of information about your background. Uh, and then you have a conversation uh, with someone in the department, most likely the the, the hiring manager, uh, for that sort of initial uh, interview. And then we have a values fit interview. Um, and that one, I think, is the one that really drills down um, if this is the place for you. Um, that is not set up in a way where we are only talking to you to figure out if we think you would be a good fit for us. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a conversation. But every single question that is in that interview maps back to one of our values. Uh, so when I'm sitting there, John, and I'm going through every single one of these questions that I'm asking you, um, there's a reason for all of it. There's not necessarily a right or a wrong answer, except for in yeah. some particular cases. Well, give us an example of one of those questions, could you? If you if sure. You so I might ask you, um, John, talk to me about your perspective on feedback. I want to know how do you feel giving it? How do you feel receiving it? And how do you feel it should function at a company? Got it. Okay. I, or, I won't uh, do you want me to answer that or, or if you <laughs> no, want no, to no, sure no. yeah <laughs> yeah feedback sucks everybody <laughs> no the so so if I said that yeah you'd probably go mm, not sure if he's our guy yeah. um but then yeah. what I might do feedback after is that, a gift Sarah it's an absolute gift perfect yeah perfect and okay. then what I'll say after you answer that is I'll say wow you know I'm so glad that you agree feedback is one of our most important values you know we're all here because we want to do the best work of our lives and the only way to do that is if you're surrounded by people who are willing to tell you when you have opportunities for improvement and then I'll tell them a little bit about how we've operationalized feedback and what that feels like and then I'll talk also about how uh, we call feedback a practice meaning it is always going to be challenging no matter how long you've been doing it uh, and so we we are not here to be perfect. We are here to aspire to be, you know, as great as we can be to ourselves and to um, our, our collaborators. Yeah. Uh, and so throughout the course of that interview, you get a sense of what's important to us. I get a sense of how your mind works, if it works, you know, in line with our values. Um, and at the end of it, you know, you have a really, you know, it's like a great uh, first date. You have a good sense uh, of if this is a place where you would be happy and thrive. Um, we also make sure to leave, you know, uh, a decent amount of time for questions at the end as well. 
Um, and then one of the other ways that we find people is, is our, our final interview step, which is uh, one of my favorites, is we have a, a case challenge where we'll give you a, a theoretical assignment or situation and ask you to uh, do the work and, and present it to us. And then we'll have a panel and you'll get to see, you know, how we might work with you. And that is probably going to involve us asking a lot of questions. And we want to see how you respond. Are you gonna panic if we ask you something that you don't know the answer to and just kind of run your mouth and and try and you know answer it or are you gonna be like you know what i'm not sure i didn't do it in that way but that's a good question you yeah, know yeah. um so oh, really no i thought the case challenge was you give someone a case of beer and then then they just get, they just get busy and depending on how many uh, they get through in in the period you know decides if they're if they're a, they're good fit or not you know yeah that's just for c-suite and it's like two yeah places, you know we just well i think the irish do very well in in those in those type of uh, scenarios joining a drinking company with a software problem is how that was positioned in prior roles that i've had yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly so so proper um and and thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I I'd imagine also that it's it's super important how the feedback is delivered and kind of you know the mechanisms and you know mm. how that's done. I'm sure you guys have a, a really uh, some some different um, ways that um, you know that should be done. Um, the yeah proper. So what what does proper do? Um, how, what what problems is it solving? Kind of who's your typical customers? Um, how do you go to market and, you know, tell us all that jazz and kind of maybe, um, how is it different? That kind of stuff. Hmm. So, uh, proper provides tech enabled accounting and bookkeeping services, uh, for the property world. And so our primary customers, uh, are property managers. We also, uh, do corporate, uh, accounting for property management companies, and we are also, uh, getting into the construction market. So the biggest problem, uh, with the sort of real estate space, uh, is accounting. Um, for the majority of companies, I think accounting is about like 2% of their operating expenses, uh, in property companies, it's upwards of 26%, uh, which is enormous. So what does that mean? That means that property management companies are spending an exorbitant amount of money and time uh, on accounting because one of my favorite things that one of our customers said is, is at a, a certain point when a property management company is growing, they become an accounting company that doesn't realize they are an accounting company. Uh, oftentimes, these folks don't have um, accounting backgrounds. And property is just a, there's, you know, a massive volume uh, of accounting tasks, AP, AR processes. And it's also a highly specialized skill. Uh, most people don't grow up and be like, yeah, I want to be a property accountant, you know? And so they end up, you know, learning by experience. But within the world of property, there's all these different softwares. There's Appfolio, Yardy, Buildium, property-specific software. But if you're not trained in the nuances of property accounting, uh, and if you're not uh, trained or savvy uh, in these property softwares, it is very easy uh, <clears throat> to get behind on your books. We, we found that uh, almost 60% uh, of property management companies that come our way show up sort of in a, in a state of, of needing help. Uh, they need, we call it historical accounting uh, or back books. Um, 
So what we do uh, is we have a team of experts. Uh, we have property management accounting executive uh, experts. We uh, train all of our people uh, on the software, uh, all the different softwares. And you, John, kind of show up and you say, hey, you know, here's my property management company. I'm really trying to grow, but I, I can't take on you know, more doors, more units. I can't grow my portfolio because my internal accounting team cannot keep up. And proper, we are fully scalable, so you can come to us and we will take over your books. We will clean up all of your historical accounting, get you fully caught up. We will standardize the way that you do all of your processes. Uh, and the, and we, we also are much cheaper. Uh, you can save, I think, an average around 26%, but sometimes up to 50% uh, on cost. So switching from having an in-house accounting team to working with proper. And the way that we do that uh, is we create technology internally that allows our accountants to do uh, the work a heck of a lot faster. So like bank reconciliations, for example. Uh, it yeah, I was going to ask, you do the whole kind of, you know, procure to pay or the source to pay piece, you know, with suppliers um, you know, kind of managing vendors, suppliers, all that, because I'd imagine that's a whole pile of it. And then there's the ERP piece, right, which is accounts receivable, accounts payable, all that stuff. And also, it sounds like, so it's services as well, right? Is, is that a use, it's software and services. Well, so as of right now, actually, your experience as a customer is not engaging with uh, with, with software on our side. We are um, launching a customer-facing platform very soon, which will allow you to see um, our progress with all your different pro uh, processes and tasks. We are also like automating how you onboard, which is you know uh, can be really time-consuming. You know, giving us access to you know your fifty-plus bank accounts because property managers also have a silly amount uh, of bank accounts because of all the different properties. Um, so right. we're automating a lot of that stuff, but the technology is really internal. So what happens is, you know, uh, you come in and you say, hey, my company uses Appfolio. And we say, great, give us the keys. And we're gonna go in, we're gonna optimize your Appfolio and we're gonna work within it. And then the technology we create through like, you know, uh, uh, you know various types of automation um, and APIs is we have a tool. Uh, ah, okay, I'm with you now. So so, so you're, you, you guys utilize APIs, right? To integrate into, so it's not a rip and replace job. It's like they still keep their Yeah, their you still existing you don't have to, system. yeah, you stay, yep, you stay in the system. We, we meet you where you are. Uh, we just come in and, and we, we, you know, we drive the car uh, for you, so to speak. And then it's also really easy to scale because a lot of another challenge with property management is, you know, you want to, you know, grow your portfolio, but then that means you have, you know, 50 uh, additional units to account for. Okay, great. Well, you have to go and, and search for, hire and train an additional accountant. Um, at property, you just give us a call and tell us that you, you know. Or, yeah, or if somebody you, leaves. And, and, you know, if a few exactly. people leave and then and then you, you got to get new people in. But also that's really cool for from your I'd say that that serves your your kind of go to market very well because uh, your motion, because, you know, kind of all of the people that you've integrated with and kind of which ones you can have the most. So so from a targeting perspective, it's kind of like, are you using this or are you using that? Well, then, you know, here's how we've helped these guys over here do this. Yeah, yeah yep. that must be cool. OK. Is. And it's it's funny if you had told me, John, that I would be helping run a uh, tech-enabled property accounting company, uh, you know, like five years ago, I'd be like, "What? No, I don't know anything <laughs> about accounting. What? Who? Why? Me? No." Yeah. Um, but I think a, a, a part of it that is or one of the things, you know, beyond just you know Mark, our CEO, and, and the way in which we're building the company, is thinking about how 
you know, I want to impact the world. And when you think about Maslow's like hierarchy of needs, right? Housing and shelter is really that foundational item. And if you don't have that, everything else in your life is sort of off kilter. And when property management companies are struggling, um, they're not able to keep up that level of sort of security with shelter. Um, you know, if your books are really far behind and you don't have an idea of how you're doing, you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, do preventative maintenance to make sure that come winter time the roof isn't leaking. Or if you're so overwhelmed with having to engage with, you know, vendors and contractors that every time one of your tenants tries to talk to you, you have to be short uh, and you're stressed. That's going to be a, a not a great relationship. Um, so the work that we do ultimately helps improve the quality of life for anyone who's living or working inside of buildings, which is all of us. Um, so that's sort of the, the, the worldly side of it. But the other part of it is the reason uh, that we're building automation is not just to be faster uh, and have fewer mistakes, but it's also to remove the parts of work that feel like work. So if, if a robot can do part of your job, like for bank reconciliation, so much of that work is just sort of mind-numbing, comparing numbers and making sure they match. Uh, if we can give you a robot to help you do that, and then you have more brain space to be a strategic partner to say, hey, you know what, what if we switch the way you do utilities billing? Or, hey, you know, now would be a good time to think about preventative maintenance or what have you. As a worker, you get to use more of that sort of creative problem solving part of your brain. So we're not automating to replace humans. Um, we're automating to sort of remove the parts of work that feel like work and allow more space for creative and strategic thinking. Um, so that those are really the main two things that inspire me, uh, that if you had told me, you know, five years ago, I would be uh, feeling inspiration from accounting, I would probably giggle. Talk to us about adoption, Sarah. I mean, you guys are going an incredible journey. Things are motoring along at hyper speed over there. Tell us a bit about that journey, if you would, and where you're headed. Yeah, so we are currently in the midst of our Series B, um, which is a blast. Um, for us, we are most likely going to grow about 4x in size on the on the people. I think probably by the end of next year, um, we'll hit 1,000 wow. employees. Um, it's, it's been a, a blast and a, and a challenge. Um, but the good thing is there is, uh, no real shortage of demand for our services We're we're highly needed. Um, it's just a matter of, um, you know, improving, uh, the, the customer experience continuously as well as our people experience. Um, one of the things that we're thinking about or that I think about a lot as we're scaling, uh, is how do you scale culture? Um, you know, we have roadmaps for, you know, our automation. We have, you know, roadmaps for the, you know, uh, technology and tooling we're going to build. We have strategy for, you know, how we're going to, you know, get to, you know, X billions of dollars in revenue. But when it comes to scaling culture and uh, our people side, that, that's the kind of thing that um, my brain is really excited uh, about that challenge. And so as we're in this, this moment, um, it's a lot about you know thinking thinking about that, and also from a brand perspective, thinking about how our brand uh, sort of voice and identity is also going to continue evolving while still staying true uh, to our sort of key values and and, and our purpose. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be uh, pretty wild uh, once after we uh, after we close Series B uh, to see how all those things are going to evolve. But there's some 
some pretty cool i'll have to come back on maybe later so that i could tell you some of the things that i cannot share publicly uh quite yet absolutely <laughs> yeah for the benefit of our listeners um tell us if you would what does a rock star look like maybe share some of your values just for the benefits of those listening to this mm. when a rock star walks into your office what words do they say that give you a little bit of a taster for the fact that they may be a rock star hmm I also, it's so funny, I have to say, I have like resistance to the word rock star because <laughs> I get what you're saying, Definitely. right? Like, what we, yeah, what are we saying? Like, who's like a super employee? Who's like someone that we'd be really excited to have on the team? Um, I think for some reason, like I associate rock star with someone who um, like gives maybe a little bit too much of themselves. And that's probably just me being scarred from my, you know, days as, as an assistant. Um, but but so I guess the question I'll answer is, 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 is how do we know someone's going to be, you know, hugely impactful and a really great fit? Is that kind of the direction we're thinking? Yeah, I mean, that that absolutely is what you're looking for. Somebody who can really competently do the, the job, but moreover, go above and beyond and adds value. So one plus one equals three, right? Totally. Yeah. So... I look for um, folks who can uh, tell me about times that they have spoken up when they saw an opportunity for improvement, even if it was outside of their specific role. Like, how have they had an impact? Are they able to um, assess a, a situation and, and see an opportunity for things to be better and communicate that? Um, and also someone who asks good questions um, or even just ask questions in general. I'll even lower that bar. They don't have to be amazing questions, but I want you to be curious um, because curiosity for me is really what fuels passion. It's what energizes you. It what helps innovate. So I really want to see that curiosity. Um, and I also want to see your personality and your interest. You know, you'd be really surprised, you know, how often, um, you know, things from our personal lives or our personal interests kind of help us think creatively in the workplace. Um, so I want to see that sort of dynamic uh, personality with with different interests. Um, and I want to see someone who can take feedback well, um, who doesn't sort of, you know, cower and deflate uh, or, or assume, you know, getting a piece of feedback means you're terrible. Uh, I want to see people be able to, you know, process that. Um, all that said, I definitely am not expecting someone to be perfect, uh, but I'm, I'm expecting someone to be uh, curious, uh, to be excited by challenges, um, to be uh, uh, sort of a continuous learner. That's also something that's you know, thrilling uh, and I think important uh, to growing here. So yeah, so those, those are some of the, the things that we look for um, when looking for that, for that rock star type. Great Maybe answer. someone who has done some shit too. Sure, we've done some shit. Yeah, I will say. But you know what? I will. I will also say. Um, uh, I I think it's you know depending on the company and and, and the role. I I've found uh, we've gotten a lot of value from hiring people who are kind of earlier in their careers as well. Yeah. Um, you know they're not. Um, you know some of the ideas they say you might sort of giggle and be like, oh, that's you know no, that's a bad idea because of X, Y, Z, and then they learn. Or they'll say something that, you, you know, you yourself wouldn't have thought of because it's sort of, you know, outside of the realm of what you've experienced. Um, and I also find, too, you know, if you get younger or sort of earlier in their career types of folks, oftentimes they're sort of hungry for things and they, um, uh, you know, just ask really, really good questions. Um, and also, you know, both internally and externally, especially when we're working with software and property accounting that can be kind of complex, um, for leaders internally and peers to be able to communicate complex topics really simply 
Uh, you know, they say, you know, the best way to, to learn is to, to teach. <laughs> um, sure. It's yeah. similar. So if, if all of our people are able to communicate complex topics um, in simple ways, that's a, an incredible strength. And sometimes working with people that are earlier in the career sort of calls for that. Um, so I think there's definitely a lot of benefits uh, as well. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if you come to us with a startup experience, that's, you know, deeply valued. Uh, yeah. deeply there's a great... There's a great book called I, I read called Rookie Smarts. Um, you should check it out, and, and it's um, I'd recommend it. And the basic premise is exactly as you're describing. Yeah, I mean you can do some stuff, but sometimes it's it's better being green as the grass if you have a sense of curiosity because you're not set in your ways. And 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 people who are like that, uh, they bring nothing back to the campfire because they presume uh, a couple of things, and 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 mostly they presume that everyone knows it already. So they don't say anything, which is never true. <laughs> and then, and and secondly, they have a certain way of doing things, and then they say, "No, nah, that's the way. I'm not interested." And you know, they're they're fairly closed. Um. So yeah, sometimes it's um, it's important to um be as green as the grass. Okay. So as as we round the corners, um, Ross, you, you got your you got your question. We always we always finish off with uh with with um with a question around uh, productivity. Um. It strikes me that you're an extremely productive person. It's um, no small skill to be able to organize um, comedians uh, on a regular basis and get them to play ball, so to speak. Sure. Um, and, and I would imagine you've taken that skill set throughout the course of your career. And we often like to understand from our guests, what are those hacks or those must have tools that you just simply could not live without? And what keeps Sarah as productive as you clearly are? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think when I'm when I'm in my best productive zone, uh, I, I, I'm really thoughtful about accommodating uh, or sort of creating the best environment for myself. So that might look like, you know, I wake up in the morning, I have a glass of lemon water, uh, I write down a few intentions for the day. Can you tell I've lived in California for 15 years? Uh, <laughs> do that. Maybe I do um, a little bit of stretching, some movement, a walk. Um, but when it comes to the actual literal ways uh, that I that I remain productive, um, I have you know we we use Jira for task tracking. I have an incredible project manager um, who helps make sure you know balls stay in the air. Um, I block out pretty much every single second of my day, not uh, to be rigid, um, but to make sure that I have time saved for the items that I want to focus on. Um, and focus, that idea of focus is also incredibly important to me. So I'm constantly asking when I'm, when I'm trying to prioritize which items on these lists will have the most sort of immediate and long-term impact. So I prioritize based on impact. So that's what my to-do list is. It's not just a, you know, list of all the things. Um, it is, you know, items that must be done, you know, because of, you know, time. And then it's, it's items based on impact. Um, so how can I make the most immediate and long-term impact? Um, we also, you know, uh, uh, on the operationalized side, you know, we have daily stand-ups that are very structured. Uh, we also, you know, we have a, a firm rule about having meeting agendas. Uh, one of the things we joke about with proper people is that we are delightfully type A, uh, that when you create boundaries, um, that actually encourages play um, and freedom in a different way. And you can also still stay productive. So we're going to have an agenda. We're going to have, you know, the amount of time next to, you know, that we're going to spend on every single topic. Um, and we're going to try and stick to that. Uh, so, so focus is, for me, um, really important. It's about prior prioritizing based on impact. Um, 
And it's also about what you say no to. Um, sure. You know, if I if I said yes to uh, every request I got or everything that, you know, rolled onto our uh, JIRA board, I would never sleep. Um, so being okay with saying no um, is also really important. Um, so, yeah, I think those are my... Love that. Love Huge levels of intentionality there, no question. Fantastic <laughs> value add. And, you know, with for folks with AHD or ADHD, that's very, very beneficial because what you've said and outlined there is that you've... And prioritized items based upon impact, right? And that's where you can kind of delineate between what you should do and what you need to do, right? So that for me is a clear boundary and very, very helpful indeed. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I want to thank you hugely for adding tremendous value to our audience today. You've uh, had a huge impact personally and professionally on our lives, no question. And I really appreciate the impact. And uh, yeah, look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Sarah, always a pleasure um, um, conversing with you and kind of chatting with you. I really enjoy it. And we wish you and everybody over a proper nothing but success um, in the future. And we'll take you up on that offer and have you back on the show to uh, tell us all of these things you can't disclose right now. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you so Sarah. much. You've been listening to the Global Tech Leaders Podcast, designed for both established and aspiring career-focused tech rock stars, as well as helping leadership figure out how to speak global in today's multicultural world. For further details, check out sf-talent.com.